Hello, and welcome to the Business of Eye Innovation. I'm your host, Victor Benedetti, and with this new podcast, we plan to explore what's new and next in the business of European ophthalmology. We're going to expose the burning issues keeping executives awake at night and share ideas and business innovation in the world of ophthalmology. Today, we're joined by Chris Morrill, Michael Moroccan, and Jan Bunnell to discuss all things ophthalmology and to share some exciting news. So to get things started, could I ask you each to briefly introduce yourselves? Chris, why don't we start with you? Hi, I'm Chris Morrill. I'm uh, one of the founders and president of MedDevice Consulting, which is a new uh, consulting company that's entering the European market to help uh, medical device uh, innovation reach the hands of ophthalmologists and patients. Excellent, and Michael? Hi, my name is uh, Michael Mrochen. I'm uh, from Switzerland, Zouk, and uh, I'm a serial entrepreneur in ophthalmology, you know, bringing technologies from the bedside to the patients and into the clinics. Excellent, and Jan? Hello, I'm uh, Jan Bonnell, and uh, I've been in ophthalmology for 35 years now, and uh, I've been through uh, major uh, breakthroughs, uh, technological breakthroughs, starting with intraocular lenses and Helon when I started my career at pharmacy back in my native Sweden. And uh, then I went on um, and being in the midst of uh, the LASIK launch and uh, when that all started. And, uh, and then I started a company called uh, Visumetrics for Diagnostics. So uh, I've also been uh, uh, in the corporative world, I come from the corporative world, but moving on uh, as a serial entrepreneur, just like Michael, and uh, very excited to now be introduced as the chairman of the board of MedDevice. That's great. So you all come from various backgrounds, but how did you all come together to form this uh, company? Well, I think it, it, it stems from the, the previous company that I was involved in primarily and um, working with Jan uh, in a role of helping him distribute his products across Europe for um, Visiometrics and uh, focusing on commercializing the technology, which is known as the HD Analyzer. Um, with Michael, I can't quite remember exactly where we met. I remember Michael from 2002 uh, as this boy wonder uh, organizing the first Wavefront Congress or the second Wavefront Congress in Interlaken, Switzerland. And we were there um, to launch a new diagnostic device for customized Wavefront treat laser treatments under my corporate company, Bausch & Lomb. And uh, I remember Michael very strongly with the, the young guy with the ponytail organizing this meeting. Um, I can't quite remember where we, what led us to start to work together. I believe it was around IROC Intercross, the corneal cross-linking company. Right, Michael? Yes, that's correct. You know, um, you know we had fun times back in the you know, early days of LASIK. Um, but then, you know, corneal cross-linking was you know, one of the technologies that brought in a complete new concept into ophthalmology. And, you know, my situation at that time being the first company in the market, I needed experts that can you know, help me to bring a product not only to clinical trials, but you know, going beyond and, and getting market access. And that's you know, is a small company, a startup company, always a challenge. So you, you have your product, you've done your clinical homework, 
So how do we bring it to the patient and to, to the clinicians? And uh, that's the time where we met, Chris, and, and, and you, you helped me a lot moving, moving forward on that level. Yeah, at that time, we were doing a lot of medical writing, talking about corneal cross-linking. Um, and I remember, I well remember um, reading some of the first papers about corneal cross-linking and being very skeptical about the technology. Um, and then, you know, lo and behold, we end up working together and, and helping you bring that technology forward. And, and today it's, it's seen as a standard of care, which is, um, it's a pretty unique opportunity to, to help a company take their product from being viewed as, as very uh, sketchy, skeptical to a point about 10 years later, 10, 15 years later, where it's standard of care. And, and that's what we really aspire to do with MedDevice is to help companies get to that point where their technology is well accepted and well integrated into the ophthalmic practice. I think that's interesting. I mean, all of you are discussing this idea of new concepts and new technology. What are the hurdles that you find that are, are unique to the European market that MedDevice is, is aiming to, to help with? Europe is a challenge because it's not the United States of Europe, which is a very cliched expression, but it's, it remains true to this day. You have 27 distinct member states who view themselves as individuals, even though they are members of the European Union. Um, every country has its little idiosyncrasies and requirements that you have to be mindful of in order to, to make inroads into that market. Jan, um, you've been in this business for a long time. What brought you into ophthalmology in the first place? Well, um, it was actually um, uh, a cataract operation back in year 83 or something like that. Uh, a good friend of mine who, who was running uh, Pharmacia back then um, insisted on me going to one of, uh, of those operations he wanted to pursue me to to start working with him, and um, and I did, and I came out. I was actually a high school teacher at the time. I came out of that uh, of that operation um, completely amazed because uh, I had, I had seen a an older woman who was blind going into the operating theater and coming out seeing virtually. With an intraocular lens operated in her in her eye, and uh, since that moment, uh, I, I have never been able to leave ophthalmology. It's a magical world. It has it it it, it started it with uh, many many things back in the past, uh, but uh, the intraocular lens was a a real breakthrough. And uh, since that moment, I've been involved with uh, with uh, ophthalmology. That's excellent. What do you feel is the, the kind of the driving force of the innovations in ophthalmology right now? Wow, that's uh, that's a that's a very good question, and and I, I think quite difficult to answer. I I'm, I'm I think that it all comes down to uh, what startup companies can bring to the table. Uh, there are many many things happening in in all areas of ophthalmology. And uh, the good news, um, and, and maybe that was going back to my first experience, the sparking point was the intraocular lens where everything's cha everything changed in ophthalmology from being one of those um, um, not, not very exciting um, uh, um, 
the most exciting um, a doctor's job. It became uh, uh, something that uh, drove um, um, capital into and, and capital and investment into the industry, and that has opened the doors for everything else. Not only cataract surgery, but uh, glaucoma, uh, retina, uh, everything that has to do with the eye. And there are many more to come, uh, many more to come. Optics, optical phenomenon uh, will be studied in the future and, uh, and, uh, and they are being studied in the future. Brain responses to, to what truly vision is uh, will be, um, uh, are coming and will be big, big issues in the future. And uh, the ophthalmologists, uh, is, um, the ophthalmologists are, are, uh, um, uh, people who are very excited about uh, knowing more because it's um, if you think about the eye, it's always it's always a mystery that uh, that we have an organ in the in 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 our in our body that actually works even if you cut off the optical nerve, it's still a working uh, piece of uh, optical uh, machinery, and uh, so uh, but it has to connect to the to the brain so. So um, the vi vision is actually happening in the brain. So uh, when you put all those ingredients together, um, uh, the innovation will never stop here. But there are still many, many things to know. So Michael, speaking of innovation, do you feel like more innovation now is possible in startups or is it still the big companies that are, are pushing this, um, this road to innovation? I think we need to differentiate a little bit of the stage of the innovation. Uh, you know, if, if, we, if we talk about an early stage technology, for example, uh, mostly come out of startups or universities. And uh, if it's on the device side, you need to get it to a certain level until, you know, it really is ready for the market in terms of usability, in terms of uh, clinical efficacy and safety. So, so at that time point, you know, that might be quicker done, more focused on in a smaller company. But if it comes then into, let's say, large scale and ophthalmology is a global market, uh, global reach to customers, you know, definitely the collaboration or even the integration into a, a larger corporate is of benefit because they can just scale up their sales process, production process, much more efficiently than you can do in a small company. So I think it's, it's depending on the product, whether it's a, it's a drug, a device, and what stage of the product you're in. Chris, you've talked about um, MedDevice being a boutique uh, marketing and communications company in Europe. Do you feel like it is best suited for uh, helping startups or established companies entering into the European market? I, I like Michael says, I think you have to kind of separate out and, and it's focusing more about the technology and the innovation because we work with companies across the board. We work with strategics, strategics being Bausch & Lomb, um, Alcon, Carl Zeiss Meditech, J&J Vision. You know, so those are our clients as well as the early, very early stage startups that have you know maybe just one or two people in, in them. It's more about the innovation and the services that we offer than about the size of the company. Because especially with uh, MDR, the, 
the big companies are struggling just as much as the small companies to deal with the implementation requirements. And so we, we have a lot of experience in, in working in that area. So we can come in and bolt on to any size company to, to help them you know, achieve, achieve their goals. And so I don't, I don't like to focus too much on, are we a company that just works with startups or are we a company which just works with the big guys? We work with anybody uh, within the service, the service range that we offer. Yeah, maybe if you if 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 I may uh, add add to that, I think that uh, uh, um, the benefit of being a startup is something that the big companies, uh, the strategics, are always struggling with. They'd love to be a startup company sometimes, uh, and and to be honest, every launch of a new product is uh, is is very well done in a small team who knows exactly where they're going and what they're doing in a new market. And, uh, and that is uh, what we can offer to the uh, strategic companies. Uh, we know that path, we have been through it many, many times. And, uh, and uh, we have that uh, flexibility that, not all, that is not always there in the strategic companies. On the opposite, uh, for, from, a, from a very in, in grand idea from, a, from two people at a startup, uh, we can also build on that because we have the experience to to, to know exactly where they are at that specific moment in time. And we can make them bigger and more efficient in what they really want to do and bring them to a level where they can actually uh, grow from. So I think that that versatility is, uh, is, uh, is one of our major strengths to be on. We know both sides. And certainly you've, you've spoken a lot about the, the new MDR that's coming into place and the difficulties that companies will face with that. What other challenges do you see as being unique to the European market? I think the, the other one, and this, this consistently surprises, especially US-based companies, is reimbursement and the, the runway, um, the, the length of the runway to get to reimbursement. And in, in the US, Typically, you can have a reimbursement code, you know, somewhere around the six-month range. And while in Europe, you're talking two to three years if you're successful. And so this is something that requires a lot of education. We, we've, we focus a lot in the work that we do in reimbursement on innovation programs because a lot of the technology is innovative. So we look for opportunities to get reimbursement through those funding mechanisms and focusing on what we know the, the governments are looking for in terms of new technology, which is, um, is it improving outcomes, improving quality of life? Is it um, reducing the burden on the healthcare system and not adding a, a lot of costs because you're, you're creating efficiencies in other ways? And so I think that's a big one um, that's very different from the US and then just the the bifur not bifurcation, but the 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 variety, um, the variations from country to country, and not everything works the same in every country, and you have to be mindful of that, and you have to think about it, and what works in Germany will not work in Italy, and vice versa a lot of the times, and so. That's something that also we spend quite a bit of time talking, especially when a company is coming into Europe, 
about the what they need to know, what they need to learn and understand, and why we do things a certain way. What are you all, Michael, I'll ask you, what are you most excited about in the coming months uh, for MedDevice, of course, but, but also for ophthalmology in Europe as a whole? So for ophthalmology as a whole, I think, you know, there's still, we have historically a, a strong view on unmet medical needs, you know, yep. starting from active error, cataract, you know, glaucoma and all the retinal um, problems we, we know happening in, in the European market. Um, I think the, the industry is also starting to look more, which is, I think, a bit new is towards usability, implementation, communication. So the whole digitalization that is around uh, ophthalmology, I think we are years behind other industries. And this is something where ophthalmology has a great opportunity because most of our data are metric data. We can, we can structure those data very nicely. But uh, I think digitalization is going to be now with this COVID situation going to be a, a strong factor that will change the way we're doing ophthalmology and eye care service in, in future. I think that that's going to be a very strong change there. Um, other than that, I think the industry will follow addressing unmet medical needs with new products. But I think the new way is communication, interaction, and point of service with the patient through digitalization. And Jan, do you think that, uh, I mean, Michael uh, talked about this, this idea of how COVID has changed, I mean, everything, of course, in the world. Can you give us some examples of how it's affected the world of ophthalmology as well? Uh, I think that uh, Michael is right. I think that COVID has been a wake-up call, actually. Um, um, it has been a disaster, of course, and, and a terrible, terrible disease. It's been a wake-up call for, for the industry in general. In ophthalmology, the way it has, it has hit ophthalmology has been uh, extraordinary in the sense that uh, uh, we have had to, to um, diagnose people remotely. Um, we have had to, to start doing things remotely. We have had uh, to start thinking about sizing uh, our clinics because if we have to put people two meters away from each other, we can only attend so many people. Uh, uh, so I think that we still have some answers on all the questions that uh, COVID have, uh, uh, have um, um, changed in our lives, uh, but it will definitely change ophthalmology as well. Uh, and um, so it's, uh, it's, um, it's, it's a great opportunity for, for everybody to change for the better. And that is the, that, that is the challenge for the world. And, uh, and, and if ophthalmology is not uh, different from that. And I think, I think in a lot of ways, Victor, um, what's, what we've seen happen over the past year is um, basically it's, it's crushed in five years of, of advancement into a one-year period. And I think a lot of uh, innovation has happened in that time period. Um, cataract surgery, for example, surgeons have begun to realize that maybe they don't need to be operating in big hospitals. They can do this from their offices, creating um, day surgery rooms you know, in their clinics and things like that. Whereas traditionally in a lot of countries in Europe, it's been done in big hospital facilities with huge overhead, et cetera. 
And so they've realized that they can do things more efficiently and safely in a smaller setting. Um, technology, as Michael talked about, especially diagnostic technology, has has been pushed forward, and there's a lot more interest in using um, AI to inform diagnostics and things like that. I think we still have a long way to go there in ophthalmology and understanding the best applications. But the technology, some of the companies that we work with today, and some of the technology that you see in the pipeline is incredibly exciting and innovative and will really, really drive how patients are taken care of in the next five to 10 years. Do you feel like governments are going to be more responsive to this, um, I'd say, increase or, or um, ramp up of technology than they might have been in the past because of, because of COVID, because of all the situations that we've been under? forcing companies to think out of the box? Well, I, I think they already are. I mean, the EU is launching, just as we speak, mm -hmm. new programs for you know, funding research and funding also innovation, although not only the universities, but also collaboration with industry. And uh, you know, vision has become a topic and digital health has become a topic. Um, I think the, the underlying problem we have, aside from the aging population in Europe, is you know, the education of surgeons. Uh, we're gonna see a gap of you know, surgeons being able to do surgery and putting all these patients through. So technology you know, is assumed how we're going to manage all these patients in future. And uh, you know, that has a significant impact on the cost structures. And uh, you know, ophthalmology was always a target to save costs um, because of the numbers and volumes involved. So I think the governments will pay attention to a provide health care and eye care to their public, but also how can we manage uh, this amount of patients with limited numbers of experts? Yeah, I think yeah, that that is one of the more more critical issues facing ophthalmology is this increasing shortage of ophthalmologists. And this is where these new diagnostic technologies, remote diag diagnostics, telemedicine will really start to change what things look like in Europe. And I think the governments will have uh, no choice but to support that because otherwise uh, the cost of the burden of care of patients who are going blind will very much outweigh the cost of in, in supporting new diagnostic technology, remote diagnosis, et cetera. So there, yeah, I think the governments will definitely jump on the bandwagon. Yeah, and as we go forward, I think that, uh, that what we're seeing is um, 30 years ago, I think it started uh, when we started speaking about uh, globalization and we had, uh, we had some expectations about globalizations that were not uh, correct. So when Friedman said that the, the world is flat, uh, uh, a teacher of mine, Pankaj Gemawat, came out and, and said that the world is not flat and he demonstrated it. Um, um, with uh, with internet connections in the New York area, where uh, uh, um, 98% of all internet connections were actually done in a, in a uh, distance of, I think it was um, two kilometers or something like that. So everybody was speaking with each other, but in a different way, but we're not. Uh, um, um, so this, 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 this idea of globalization uh, has to be filled in. We're still working to get there, but I think that um, a company like uh, Medivice 
um, is is extremely important for everybody else but you have because you have to be global and local all the time and uh, and the, the more we understand the more people understand that we have to work with people who are close to us uh, in order to make uh, the real contact and the real understandings uh, among people uh, the more efficiency we will reach it's it might be it might sound as a longer way but it's the most efficient way and uh, and i also think that governments in general in europe are uh, becoming more and more uh, there are more parties. They, they, people have to discuss their deci decisions a little bit more than, than in the past when we had one side and, and the other side. And uh, I think that that will be another ingredient that, uh, that, uh, uh, that will actually help in our way um, moving forward, finding suitable and, uh, uh, and uh, efficient solutions for uh, small communities, um, but those small communities add one to each other and uh, build up uh, success. It certainly, it seems like MedDevice is uniquely situated to offer those, those solutions to companies from around the world and entering the European market. What are your aims for the business? Chris, what are you, what are you looking forward to as, as MedDevice kicks off? <laughs> Sorry, um, aims for the business, okay. Well, I think you know we have um, we have a very ambitious vision for MedDevice, and traditionally one of the um, sort of limiting factors of a consulting a consulting business is that it it tends to be limited by its its um, the the people who have founded it and. And what we want to do with MedDevice is to create a scalable consulting business that you know grows over over time through through partnerships, through acquisitions, through you know looking for new opportunities for business areas, et cetera. And and we want to change how you know consulting businesses are viewed, while at the same time maintaining that very high standard of, of uh, customer client service um, that, that we've always put at the forefront of everything that we do. And so I, I think one of the, the things that I'm looking forward to most is balancing those two things and growing what is a very strong uh, team even, even further. And, and we are so fortunate that we have Michael and Jan on the board, as well as uh, Professor Gerd Alfarth from the University of Heidelberg and Dr. Vance Thompson from uh, South Dakota and the US as, as members of a board of directors because they are all visionaries in ophthalmology who completely understand what we want to achieve with MedDevice and are exceptionally committed to working to to achieve that vision. And I I think I say this over and over again that as as the president of this company, I, I am I'm so fortunate to be able to work with with this group and with our leadership team and the service leaders. Everybody involved in this company is incredibly committed to 
to making it a success, but also more importantly, making our clients successful. So I think that you know is a very grandiose statement, but but that's you know to me the looking ahead, you know, and, and being able to achieve that vision is is incredibly exciting. Excellent. The idea of vision for this company. Michael, what about you? What are you looking forward to from a device going forward? I think uh, I'm starting to look a bit more from a customer perspective. So, you know, being in a situation a few times where, you know, I created some technology. So, yeah, great. The technology works. I can show that. You had know, the next step. So, A, going to regulatory, what is the pathway? And B, how do I do clinical trials that are most effectively showing safety, efficacy, but also market needs? How do we address the market? So at that time, when I started my first business, you know, it kind of was lost how to do that. And you know, you're struggling, it didn't have really a helping hand to guide me through these two processes, regulatory, clinical. Then you, know, you work your way through to regulatory, clinical, you now have a CE mark, you have approval, yeah, that's great. So now you're into you know, your clinical proof of concept. Everything is, is, is ready to go to the market. But then how do you reach the market? How do you communicate with the market? And you know, helping hand that can guide you through this process has done this before, has the network, has the communication channels. You know, if I look, look back 20 years when I started my first company, you know, it would be fantastic to have a partner that can guide me through this process from the start to the end and then helps me to actually maintain in the market. That, that I think what, what my vision behind uh, MedDevice is, and I think that's where the team we put around can be a great partner for, you know, for the different stakeholders, bigger corporates that have a, you know, sometimes lack of resources or it's a new product, they need help for the new product um, or smaller companies that, that at the early stage. So that's, that's kind of my perspective on, on MedDevice. I, I love what what uh, what uh, both Chris and, and Michael uh, are pointing at. I think that uh, that resumes extremely well what MedDevice is is all about. Uh, the team behind uh, is is extremely important for us in order to be delivering all, on all those on all those points. And uh, and uh, and uh, we 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 are an excellent company. We we are because that's that's. That's the, the belief we have is that uh, if we can give that little extra, which we think we have, uh, and, we, uh, and, and, and not stopping, not ending being uh, um, tr ex extremely ambitious with everything we know and share it with our partners and our customers, uh, um, that, is, that, is, that is actually what we want to do. We want to, we want to w make the ophthalmic place a better place every day for everybody who is who we are dealing with and for that sake everybody who we're not dealing with as well um, we are um, seasoned enough to understand that uh, uh, the, the 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 great good of uh, of being an excellent company will help uh, the market and the ophthalmologist and we are devoted to the work of the ophthalmologist and uh, and and that is that is basically who we are and where we come from, and and uh, adding to that, uh, we are very 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 um, afraid of not overdoing it. Let me explain. Uh, we will not take on 
uh, more customers then we can actually uh, treat a hundred percent at our top level and uh, and that is a must for us we will never go down from the quality of work that we're doing uh, uh, and that is uh, that is the number one point that we that we have agreed upon when we started med device and uh, and uh, that's that's perhaps why Chris was saying that uh, we might we might be a boutique there are boutique chains uh, that are very big in the world, but uh, the only the, the only the only reason they're big and important and and looked upon as superior is because they never go down from the quality of work that they are um, delivering, and that is our uh, main objective. We will never step down from any of those quality uh, quality points that uh, we want to offer to our uh, customers. That's great. Chris, let me give you the last word on um, on med device for today. I think that, you know, I've, Jan and Michael have both talked about the length of time they've been in ophthalmology. It's, it, this is my 30th year um, in the industry. And it's med device, I hope, is the, is bringing together um, everything that I've learned, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, um, to culminate in, um, in an organization that really, as Jan says, you know, does, does the absolute best for our clients and for the doctors that we work with, because we, we get to work with a lot of amazing doctors. Ophthalmology, I think, is, is without a doubt the, one of the, the best medical specialties for the opportunity to work closely with industry and, and the doctors who are involved. And, and so I think, you know, I, I, I hate to overuse the word grateful, but, but I, am, I am grateful to honored and, and just really so excited about the next chapter and about um, building, building MedDevice and, and seeing, um, you know, what we can do with it. All right, so I'd just like to thank our guests, Chris Morrow, Mike Moroccan, and Jan Vanell for joining us today on this first Business of Eye Innovation podcast. If you want more information, you can reach us at meddevice-consulting.com. And of course, you can follow us on LinkedIn as Med Device Consulting. I'm your host, Victor Benedetti. Thank you again for listening.